First is a family of Christ followers who love, live, and lead. But this didn't start with us. We're a part of something Jesus established while he was on earth when he told his followers that he would build his church and the gates of hell couldn't even come against it. Let's explore what it means to be empowered by Christ and sent out on mission. We carry the torch of what Jesus started and what Christians for centuries have continued. This is us. Well, good morning. Hey, it's great to be with you. Let me just say what an honor it is to be here, truly. Uh, as Derek said, we have known each other since we were kids. New Georgia Baptist Church. And so we go way back. I had one of your deacons, Larry, ask me this morning if I have dirt on him. And I do. But the problem is he has dirt on me, too. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut about that. But so grateful to be here. And Derek, thanks for inviting me. Uh, just, man, it means so much that you would trust me enough to come and to preach the Word of God, and so thank you guys again for letting me be here. My name is James, as he said, a uh, little bit about me, been married to my wife, Amber, for 17 years, and we have three little girls at home, Rowan is 11, Selah is 7, and Arden is 1, okay? We were one of those couples, yeah, that had the surprise bonus pandemic baby at 40 years old, so y'all can pray for us. A lot going on in our house these days, but very outnumbered, and I uh, have the honor of pastoring a, a church in Cartersville, Cross Point City Church. I've been there for almost 11 years, and, uh, and like you're experiencing right now, we've just seen God do such incredible things, so grateful to just be down the road from you all. But if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it. Head to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you all right now are in this series called This Is Us which really is all about the mission and the purpose of this church, which is to love, to live, and to lead. And Pastor Derek did a great job, actually listened to his sermon last week, and he talked about this movement that Jesus set in motion some 2,000 years ago called the church. And we see the beginnings of that in Matthew chapter 16. You know, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and he asked the question, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some think you're John the Baptist, and some Elijah, and some Jeremiah. Some people say you're one of the other prophets. And then he asks the most important question that any of us will ever have to answer in our lives. Who do you say that I am? There's not a more important question that you will ever answer than that question, who do you say Jesus is? And our guy, Peter, who was always popping off at the mouth, always talking first, you know, he spoke up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, ding, 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 we have a winner. You're absolutely right. And he said back to Peter, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And praise God, for some 2,000 years now, Jesus has kept his word. He's been building his church upon the rock, not Peter, by the way, but the rock that is the proclamation of the gospel, the good news about his person and his work. And hear me on this, the way that Christ has built his church is through his people. You see, I need you to catch this. It's so important to what we're talking about today. Jesus Christ does not build independently of us, but instead he builds his church through us. He uses us as his people to accomplish his, uh, his purposes in the world. And we see this clearly in Matthew chapter 28. This is the mission of the church at large, the Great Commission, where after Christ resurrects from the dead, but before his ascension into heaven, he gets his disciples together on this mountain in Galilee, and he sends them out. 
Guys, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And when a guy dies on a Friday and comes to life on a Sunday, you believe him when he says that. Of course it's been given to you. And he says, in light of that, I want you to go into all the world, make disciples, baptize people, and then teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And at the end of this commission, Jesus makes this incredible promise. I will be with you until the end of the age. And he is through the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I know if you've been in church a while, you know this, but I'm going to tell you again anyway, all right? If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Spirit of God lives in you. Okay, and don't let that just be lost on you. This is significant. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if you know him, that Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, lives inside of you. And he's there to serve you and to minister to you in a variety of ways. All right, we know from the scriptures that the Spirit of God convicts us of sin, that he guides us in the truth of God's word, that he reminds us of Jesus' teachings so that we can actually obey his teachings. He sanctifies us, which is just a really fancy way of saying that he transforms us and changes us over the very course of our lives to become more and more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God produces spiritual fruit in our lives. He gives us strength and, and power to resist temptation, power to persevere through difficulty. But in addition to all that, he also gives us spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk a lot about this today. But, but spiritual gifts are not natural gifts. Um, these are not things that you can do in your own power or your own strength. No, the gifts that the Spirit gives you transcend human ability. So in other words, these are supernatural in a sense. Even the ones that seem very natural, you wouldn't possess it unless the Spirit of God gives it to you, and here's the reason he gifts you. So that by using your gifts, Jesus Christ can use you to build his church. Right, it kind of reminds me of that old Home Depot slogan, you can do it, we can help. And here's Jesus saying to us, when it comes to my church, building my church, I'm going to do it, and you can help. And so the Spirit gifts us so that we can come alongside Jesus and help in that building process. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, okay? In our time together, I want to talk about the importance of you using what the Spirit of God has given you so that Jesus can use you as he builds his church, all right? If your Bibles are open to 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Here's what Paul writes. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to stop here and talk, and before we really unpack the verses, we're going to take some time and just talk context, because you need to know what was going on and, and why Paul wrote this letter, okay? 1 Corinthians, this book in our Bibles, it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to this very dysfunctional church in the Greek city of Corinth. Okay, I've been pastoring for like 21 years. I'm very aware every church has its problems but this church has some problems, y'all, okay? Uh, inside the Corinthian church, there were people committing incest. There were church members suing each other. Church members sleeping with prostitutes. There were church members getting drunk at communion. Not good. In addition to all that, there were also church members abusing and misusing their spiritual gifts. 
And when you study 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, you find that really it was the gift of tongues in particular, which I'm not getting into all that today, okay? If you want to know about that gift, you need to ask your pastor. I'm the guest preacher. I'm avoiding controversy, so I'm not going to get in all that, okay? But they're abusing and misusing their gifts, and so this is why Paul wrote in this portion of the book. He says to them, I don't want you to be ignorant about your gifts, Instead, I want to inform you about your gifts because, listen, Paul understood what we're talking about today, that unless you and I, as the people of God, use our gifts rightly, we will miss out on being used by Jesus as he builds his church. And so he starts by taking them to the past. All right, but we just need to look back for a moment, and he says to them, do you remember when you were pagans? And I just wonder if any of you, do you remember when you were a pagan? You remember that? You remember way back before you knew Jesus, the life you were living? Do you remember that? Um, it was a life that wasn't very honoring to Jesus. Can we agree? And so Paul's trying to get him. Hey, think back there. Look back there. Do you remember when you were being led astray by mute idols? And then he makes this point. No one speaking by the Spirit of God speaks like a pagan. When, when someone opens their mouth and they're full of the Spirit, they don't talk like you used to talk. Because pagans curse Jesus, but Christians, we exalt Jesus Christ. Listen, we exalt him as Lord. This is the language we see here. And it's very important for you to get this. We don't only exalt Jesus Christ as Savior, but we also exalt Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, I think over the years, we've created this false dichotomy in the church, at least in our context, that we can have Jesus Christ as Savior, but not follow him as Lord. You know what I'm talking about? So we can just pray a prayer and get some fire insurance. Thanks so much. I don't have to go to hell anymore. But then we don't really have to follow Jesus and walk in obedience to him. And can I tell you the problem with that? The word of God. That is not taught anywhere in the pages of the scripture. No, the Bible teaches that we are saved by faith through grace in Christ alone and that when we entrust ourselves to him in faith, it's not just as savior, but we're also surrendering to him as Lord. And this is what Paul is driving at. That as a, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ today, who has the Holy Spirit living inside of you, that there is also this desire in you that Jesus be Lord over your life. Why? Because that's the Spirit's desire. And if the Spirit truly lives in you, he's constantly changing your desires to fit his desires. And his desire is that Jesus Christ would be made much of through your life. There's this guy named J.I. Packer. Maybe you've heard of him. He was a pastor, writer, theologian. But he called this the floodlight ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and I think this is so helpful. If any of you have ever done floodlighting, you know that the point of floodlighting is not for people to see the light. You tracking with me? It's not, oh, that's such a beautiful light. The point of floodlighting is for people to see the building or the structure or the field that the light is shining upon. And this is the Spirit's goal in your life. You see, when he is truly at work in you, he's not trying to draw attention to you, and he's not even trying to draw attention to himself. No, when he is at work in you, he's constantly trying to draw attention to Jesus, and so his goal is to change you and to transform you so that your light, life becomes a light shining back on the great light that is Jesus. And hear me, one of the primary ways that he accomplishes that is by gifting you. He gives you certain gifts 
so that you can use those gifts and be used by Jesus as he builds his church. And we see this very clearly in the next verses. Look at verse four with me. Paul goes on, he says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And then here's the key phrase. We're gonna come back to this. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So several things I want to point out, okay? First, Paul says here that there are different gifts, different acts of service, and different activities, but it's the same God that's behind them all. And then he actually acknowledges each member of the Trinity, each member of the Godhead. This is so incredible. Verse 4, he uses the Greek word pneuma, which is a reference to the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, he uses the Greek word kurios, which means Lord, and it is a reference to Jesus Christ himself. And then in verse 6, he uses the Greek word theos, which is a reference to God the Father. And so the simple idea is this. All three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, are intimately involved in the giving and the using of gifts. And this becomes incredibly clear when you keep studying the language. If you're a note taker, I'm going to give you a few words to write down, and I think this is going to be helpful, okay? Number one, the word gifts that you see there, it is the Greek word charisma. It's the Greek word charisma. Uh, The plural of charisma is charismata, and this is where we get our English word charismatic. And I know if you grew up in the Baptist church like I did, I mean, we're all here in a Baptist church today. Uh, For many of us, that word carries a lot of baggage, doesn't it? Okay, full confession. When I was growing up, I thought being a charismatic meant you were weird, and you didn't care about the Bible, and all you cared about was experience, and you were one of those people that did really weird things and they just blamed them on the Holy Spirit. He's the one, he made me do it, right? And I just want to tell you, that is not what it means to be charismatic, okay? The word charismatic or charismata, where we, where we see it in the text, it simply means grace gift. Charisma, this is the meaning, grace gift. Charis in the Greek is grace, and then you add mon, and it's grace gift. And this word is actually used in various places throughout the New Testament. Uh, we see it in Romans 6.23. Paul writes there that eternal life is a charisma. We see it in 2 Corinthians 1.11, that deliverance from death is a charisma. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, celibacy is a charisma. And then in our text, Paul says that spiritual gifts, they are charismata or grace gifts. So in other words, here's what he's teaching, that your spiritual gift is something that the Holy Spirit gave to you, and you didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. He gave it to you as a gift of grace. And so if you know Jesus today, the Spirit of God lives in you, he's gifted you, guess what that makes you? A charismatic. And I know I just blew up some of your theological frameworks, didn't I? And I just messed you up, but now that we're all good and feeling uncomfortable, we're going to go to the next word, okay? Service. The word service in the text is the Greek word diakonia. Diakonia, um, this is where we get our English word deacon, and the word itself means ministry. So if charisma points to the source of gifts, they're given to us by the Spirit of God, diakonia points us to their purpose. All right, I need you to catch this. Why does the Spirit of God gift you? Here's the reason. So that you can do ministry. You have a gift from Him so that you can do ministry. 
And that ministry is meant to exalt Jesus Christ as Lord and to build other people up, both those who know him and don't know him. This is the purpose. And Peter writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11. He says, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay, here's what Peter's saying. You ready? To have a gift is to have a responsibility. To have a gift is to have a responsibility. Having a gift is not a privilege. Having a gift means that you have a responsibility. He doesn't just gift you to gift you. He gifts you because he has a job for you to do. And doing that job rightly, according to Peter, requires stewardship. You have to manage your gift in the right way. You've heard the word stewardship, right? And when we talk about it, we're often talking about money. I've got to steward my money. Manage it for the glory of God and the good of people. Peter's going, the same is true for your gifts. When it comes to your spiritual gifts, you're meant to be a steward. You have to manage that so that God is glorified and people are helped. This is why as believers in Christ, none of us get to excuse ourselves from ministry. None of us. Like we can't be the people that are like, I'm too busy for that. I don't have time for that. My gift is unnecessary. My gift is unneeded. I'll just let other people do that. Listen, I want to say this out of love for you today. The Holy Spirit did not gift you to sit and spectate. No, the Holy Spirit of God gifted you to participate in the work of ministry. In the church that I pastor, we have a phrase, and we say it all the time, that we're all in full-time ministry. We are. Like you got to know, it's not just Pastor Derek and Pastor Jason and Pastor Roger who are in full-time ministry. All of you are in full-time ministry. Every single day of your life, you are a minister of the gospel. In those places where you live and you work and you play, you are meant to carry the hope of Jesus Christ to people in those places who need him. And then you show up here on the weekends and all throughout the week, and you use your gifts to build up this church and to serve this body. We are all in full-time ministry. And if you think I'm just making that up, okay, Ephesians 2.10. Let me give you a Bible verse, all right? Paul in Ephesians 2.10 says that you and I are God's workmanship and that we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this is so fascinating. Here, here's what Paul's getting at. Before you were ever alive on planet Earth, God decided that he had some good works that he wanted accomplished in his world. So you know what he did? He created you. And he breathed life into you, and then he pursued you in grace chased you down, took hold of you, breathed spiritual life into you, right? You put faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and God rescued you. And then as we're talking about today, he put his spirit inside of you so that you would be empowered and enabled to do the very works that he wanted to accomplish before you were ever here. How amazing is that? We are all in full-time ministry. And so if we're not using our gifts, we are miss missing out on the ministry that God has for us. And then finally, number three, activities. Activities. Uh, the word activities comes from the Greek word energoma. It's where we get our English word energy, and it means the thing that is produced. And so the idea is simply this. God himself produces in us the energy we need to use our gifts. 
And I'll try to illustrate it. Okay, a few weeks ago, I was trying to turn the TV on in my house, and the remote wasn't working. And I was kind of getting frustrated. You know, I was talking to it and trying to move the batteries around in the back, and I don't know why this isn't working. And so eventually, I decided I might need to change the batteries. So I took the old batteries out, and I went and found some new batteries, put it in the remote. Guess what happened? The remote started working. You see, what I discovered in that moment is the remote needed something outside of itself to empower it to do its job. You with me? Listen, you're like that. You are like that. You cannot do what God has put you on planet Earth to do unless someone outside of you empowers you, and that someone is God himself. He produces the energy that you need to use your gifts for the sake of ministry. And I need you to lean in and listen closely to this next part. When you fail to realize that, that's when you grow tired of doing ministry. That's when you get frustrated. That's when you start thinking about hanging it up, quitting, and just taking up a seat and letting other people do it for you. Take it from a guy who's been doing ministry vocationally for 21 years. I get it. Can we just all be honest today? Man, it can be really annoying serving needy people, right? Exhausting frustrating, especially when those needy people are not grateful for the service you're providing. Can I get an amen, somebody? Right, there you are, pouring yourself out, and you're just giving and giving and giving, and they're receiving and receiving and receiving, not giving anything back and complaining about it in the process. (sighs) That's frustrating, man. And when you forget that the power you need to perform ministry lies outside of you and it is not within you, that again is when you're tempted to quit. If you don't remain close to the Lord, dependent upon the Lord, ask for the power you need every single day to use your gifts in the service of others, you will be tempted to quit on God's church, and you may even be tempted to quit on God. You need his power to use your gifts. So with all that said, let me just tie it together and put a nice little bow on it, all right? Here is what Paul's teaching in our text, that the source of our spiritual gifts is God. They come from the Holy Spirit, and they're grace gifts. He's teaching that the ministry that allows you to use your gifts is from God. Like Jesus Christ himself puts the opportunities before you to serve people so that you can bless them and be like him. And then finally, the energy and the power you need to use your gifts is from God. Are you starting to understand now why Paul calls these grace gifts? Is it becoming clear? You see, without the grace of God at work in your life, you wouldn't have a gift. And even if you did have a gift, you wouldn't have a way to use your gift. And even if you had a way to use your gift, you wouldn't have the power you needed to use it. This, my friends, is why we all need to be humble about our gifts. You see, you can be the most gifted person in this church today, but let me just remind you out of love, you did not do that for you. You didn't do that for you. God did that for you. It's not like God looked down, you know, about 30, 40, 50 years ago, and he's scouring the earth. He's like, oh, that girl down there, she's killing it. Of course I'm going to gift her. Oh, that guy, he's a stud. He's crushing. Of course I'm going to gift him. No, God gifted you because of grace. He gave that gift to you because he wanted to so that through you he could glorify himself and build his church. And that brings me to verse 7. Told you we'd come back to this, and I believe this is the key phrase from this passage. 
Uh, in fact, I believe this is the key phrase from this entire section of 1 Corinthians, chapters 12 through 14, where Paul is writing about gifts. But again, here's what he says. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And Paul is teaching here three important truths that we cannot miss. And I just want to point them out. Number one, gifts are given to each. I don't know, I've been kind of pounding on this already, but I want to make sure you're getting it, okay? Paul's repeating himself. I'm just going to repeat him. Gifts are given to each. If you know Jesus Christ today, the Spirit of God lives in you, and he has gifted you in some way. So in other words, spiritual gifts aren't just for pastors. They're not just for missionaries. They're not just for ministers. They weren't only for the apostles in the first century. The Spirit of God gives spiritual gifts to each and every believer. And so practically, that means you have a gift, at least one. And again, it's not a natural gift, like, oh, yeah, I'm really good at some stuff. No, the Spirit gave you something when you put your faith in Christ that you were not able to previously do transcends your natural human ability and you have at least one of those chances are you probably have more than one of those i would guess you probably have multiple um here's what i find fascinating and you see this to be true in this section of first corinthians even if you only have one that doesn't mean that the spirit won't give you more than one like i would encourage you to do what paul encouraged this church to do pray for gifts Pursue spiritual gifts. Ask the Spirit of God to give you more than you have so that you can be a part of Jesus Christ building his church. But every single believer has a gift. Number two, gifts manifest the Spirit. Gifts manifest the Spirit. That is to say that the very way the Holy Spirit of God discloses his presence and his power in and through our lives is through the use of our gifts. You see, here's what some people think, and I've been in the church world for a long time, so like Derek has, so I've seen this, I've heard it. There's a lot of people who think, man, if we just set the right tone, or if we set the right environment or atmosphere, man, if we get the lights just right, if we sing the right kind of songs, that the Holy Spirit of God will show up. And I just sit back and I go, Willie? I mean, Willie? And I can tell you, I've been in places all over the world like West Africa, okay? Burkina Faso, one of the poorest countries on planet Earth. I have been in the middle of the African bush in April, hottest month of their year, in three-digit heat in little uh, makeshift church buildings where there is no atmosphere and there is no environment and there are no lights and there is no sound. And I have been in places like that where the Spirit of God was just palpable where he just shows up and he moves and he does things that no one in that space can take credit for. So the point I'm trying to make is this. It's not about tone and it's not about environment. If you want the Spirit of God to show up in your life and if you want the Spirit of God to show up in this church, use your gifts because your gifts are the very manifestation of the Spirit. Uh, I love, there's a pastor in Oklahoma, his name is Sam Storms. And he's written a lot on this subject. And I love how he explains this. He says that spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. They are not some tangible stuff or substance separable from God. 
Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts must never be viewed deistically as if a God out there has sent something to us down here. Spiritual gifts are God present in, with, and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, and human love. Spiritual gifts are the presence of the Spirit himself coming to relatively clear, even dramatic expression in the way we do ministry. And listen to this last line. Gifts are God going public among his people. How good is that? All right, here, my friends, is the implication. If you don't use your gifts, the Spirit of God probably ain't showing up. If you don't use your gifts, the Spirit of God probably ain't showing up. Like if all you ever do as a member of this church is show up and sit and spectate and listen to preaching and go home and go about your business and you never put your gifts into play, you never participate in ministry, you never serve other people, by neglecting your gifts, you are neglecting the Spirit of God himself. In essence, you are shoving him out the door and you are keeping him at bay which is why I am challenging you today to participate in the building of God's church. Do you want this church to be a spirit-filled church? And let me be clear when I say spirit-filled. Do you want God to show up in the life of your church and to do things that none of you can take credit for? Do you? Do you? Then you gotta show up and participate. You have to involve yourself in the work of ministry, and you have to use the gifts that the Spirit of God has given you, and when you do that, he makes himself known. And then finally, finally, and this is so important, Paul teaches here in verse 7 that gifts are for, are, are for the common good. Excuse me. That gifts are for the common good. Okay, years ago, my wife and I went to a Christmas party, and we did this gift exchange with some friends of ours, and we got a vase. They like a vase that holds flowers, and it's not the kind of vase that you would want. Like, it was the ugliest vase I had ever seen in my life, straight up. It was terrible. And so I just remember we opened this gift, and we're trying to act excited as if not to offend the person who gave it to us, right? Thank you so much. What a beautiful vase. And we're both thinking simultaneously that will never be on display in our house anywhere ever. So we took the vase home, and we shoved it in the back of a cabinet, until two years later, we went to another Christmas party where we played the white elephant game. Y'all ever play that? Okay, if you haven't, here's the Cliff Notes version. It's a gift exchange, and you can bring a good gift or a gag gift. And so you wrap it up, and you bring it, and everybody picks numbers so you know which order to pick gifts in. And you can either keep the gift that you picked, or you can steal someone else's and give, you their, or give them yours. And so I've talked about it, and we're like, this is a great opportunity to get rid of this horrendous vase. So put it in a box, wrapped it up, took it to the party, and I kid you not, the person who got it loved it. Thought it was the most beautiful vase ever. So I judged them a little bit, questioned our friendship, you know, not really. But, but here's my question. Have you ever re-gifted a gift like that? You ever re-gifted a gift? Okay, if so, here's what you know. You never re-gift a good gift. You, you don't. You only ever re-gift bad gifts. Gifts that you don't want, gifts that you don't need. Like when is the last time you got the new computer, the new phone, the new TV, that piece of clothing that you wanted and you're like, this is awesome, who can I give this to? Never, why? Because we don't re-gift good gifts. Yet, according to the Apostle Paul, this is exactly what we're supposed to do with our spiritual gifts. 
I want you to know today, listen, every gift of the Holy Spirit is a good gift. Even the ones that you think are weird, even the ones that you're like, please God, don't give me that one because I don't want to be one of those people. Listen to me, if it comes from him, it's good. Every gift of the Holy Spirit is a good gift and he gives you those good gifts so that you can re-gift them for the good of other people. Another way I could say it is this, your gift is for us. Your gift is for us. Your gift is not for you. And so you can't do with it whatever you want to do with it. You can't neglect it. You can't shelf it. You can't use your gift for selfish purposes or selfish reasons. The Spirit of God has given you that gift or those gifts so that you can re-gift them for the good of this church. Like it's meant to bless and to encourage and to build up the other people that are in this room. And here is the really great news, okay? When you actually do that, when you use the gifts that the Spirit gives you to participate in the work of ministry to help build the very church of God, my friends, you are blessed in the process. You know that? And the Holy Spirit of God uses the use of your gifts to bless you, to change you, to grow you, to transform you more into the image and likeness of Christ. And in turn, Jesus himself uses you in the process of building his church. So as we close, let me give you the simple challenge, okay? And it really is this simple. Use your gifts. Use your gifts. Serve people. Participate in the work of ministry. And in addition, let me say, do all that for the right reasons. Like, I really don't want you leaving here today going, oh, that guest preacher came in and made me feel pretty bad about just sitting and spectating. Please hear me. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm not trying to shame. I'm not trying to guilt. This has nothing to do with duty or obligation. Can I just remind you, Jesus served you first. Like he's not asking you to do for other people what he hasn't first done for you. Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago put on human flesh and became a servant and humbled himself to the point of obedience, obedience that led to death on a cross, and he did it for you. Lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you deserved, rose from the dead to conquer sin, death, and hell on your behalf. And Jesus' call on your life is this. Just do the same for other people. What I did for you, I'm inviting you to do the same for others. And by the way, I'm going to empower you by my spirit to do it. And so when we serve and participate in church building, if you will, that is meant to be a response to the gospel. We do it out of love for Christ and love for people. And here's the final truth that I will leave you with, okay? If you sit on your gifts, if you shelf your gifts, if you neglect your gifts, if you participate in the work of ministry for the wrong reasons, listen, you will miss out on what God wants to do in and through your life. You're gonna miss out. And ultimately, ultimately, this church, First Baptist Lafayette, will never be what it's meant to be, ever. I don't want that for you. I know I'm just meeting you today, but you're my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I care a lot about the kingdom of God. I don't want that for you. I know your pastor doesn't want that for you. Most importantly, God doesn't want that for you. And so the challenge again is this. Use your gifts, participate in the work of ministry for the right reasons, and let Jesus Christ use you as he continues to build his church. Amen? Let me pray for you if I can. Father God, I thank you for these people and what an honor it is to be with brothers and sisters in Christ today. 
And uh, God, I just thank you for the stories that Derek has shared with me over the last several weeks about all the baptisms and people coming to faith in Christ. And God, I pray for more of that. God, would you do more of that here? And God, my prayer for the people in the seats today and even members of this church that couldn't be here, God, I pray that they would be motivated to participate in that work by the good news of Christ, love for him, love for people. And so, Father, I pray that you continue to empower them, continue to gift them in whatever ways you deem necessary so that your work can continue in this community and beyond. And so, Father, I pray that as we leave today, as we start to wrap up, that you would just transform us, God, just, just a bit. May we leave looking a little bit more like Jesus than when we came in. And so, Father, in this time of prayer, in this time of response, I just ask that you'd come and have your way. God, do a work in us that we need, whatever that looks like. We trust you for it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, James. And uh, maybe you're wondering, how do I use my gift? How do I use my gift here? You can go to Belong class next week. We're talking about that the next two weeks. Even if you're not new, but you're like, hey, I want to use what God has given me. How do I do that? Come there. Come talk to me. We'd love to share with you, help you to plug in and use what God has given you for us and for his kingdom and for his glory. Please reach out to me. I'd love to share that with you. If you're here tonight, if you're here today, and you don't know that gift that Jesus has given, and you'd like to receive that gift, you come Come at this time, I'd love to share with you. I'd love to walk with you through how to trust our Savior and experience his grace and his gift of salvation. Whatever God is leading you to do in this moment, whatever he's working in your heart, as we respond, respond to him today. We're going to stand, if you would. We're going to sing. And if God is moving in your life, you come.